What's up, everybody? It's your host, Parker Ullman. Welcome back, or welcome to the Burning Quads podcast, a show about all things collegiate cycling. Switching up the format a little bit, the next few episodes, including this one, will be conversations with some of our collegiate Mud Fund athletes. If you've never heard of this program, here's some information. The Mud Fund was created to raise money for year-round support of cyclocross athlete development and competition support. The focus of the Mud Fund is on cultivating grassroots efforts, providing opportunities to young athletes, and opening the development pathway to elite-level competition. If this sounds like an interesting program to you, you can learn more on the USA Cycling Foundation website, including if you'd like to donate to this program as well. This week's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Health is dynamic, which is why USA Cycling is proud to partner with Athletic Greens. They have created a comprehensive formula that helps you adapt your daily needs and change due to stress, sleep patterns, or imperfect diet. USA Cycling members receive great discounts on Athletic Greens through the link provided in your member benefits portal in your account. I have a great show coming up today. Earlier this month, I was able to set up a call with Hannah uh, using a great platform called Zoom that everyone seems to be using right now, a current senior at Brevard College. We discussed how she got into cycling, fun adventures she has had along the way, and opportunities that she was able to take advantage of thanks to the Mud Flood program. So I hope you guys enjoy my conversation with Hannah. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing uh, great. Yeah. Been, been kind of interesting, not doing a whole lot like normal. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I went back to high school because I was homeschooled all the way through high school. So, yeah. Crazy. They just like home all the time, I guess. Are you still training during the mornings or for the most uh, part? Or? I do in the afternoons. It's warmer. <laughs> Good call. Yeah. Uh, do you do you ride bikes or like I don't know anything about? Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the mystery man over here. Yeah, um, yeah. So I do. Yeah, I do. I <clears throat> I raced a little bit in school, um, not a whole lot. Raced in the Midwest, um, and yeah, I do more. Um, I guess you could say recreational riding. So, how'd you get into cycling? What was uh, like, take us back to when you first rode a bike. What was that All like? Right. Yeah, good question. Um, I guess I always needed an outlet, especially being homeschooled. Otherwise, I think my mom would have killed me just because I was, like, bouncing off the walls, climbing the bookshelves, and she was like, all right, this kid needs a sport. So I've, I've always been doing some sort of sport. Um, my brother and my dad got into uh, triathlons when I was still a kid and I watched them do it for a couple of years. And then about, what was it? I was 11 years old and I did my first little sprint triathlon in my hometown, Valdez, North Carolina. And the next year I came back and did three more. And 
the two years after that I did it. But uh, there was a really big weak spot for me in that I like I was I was super strong, but I couldn't handle my bike. Like if you if I came to any corner, I'd just freak out. I'd be like walking pace around the corners, hilarious. So I got into cyclocross because my coach was like, you know, it's, it's low impact, and if you like fall and you just get back up because it's grass or mud or sand, so doesn't really matter as much so I was like all right I like it I still get to go hard I go get muddy this sounds like a great idea and then from there it's just like I guess started loving cycling even more and about age 14 they got me into road at that point I made the decision to just stick with cycling and leave triathlon sweet um so how the how the competition side of things shake out was that just something that you, um, like, I know your older sister competed as well. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later, but like, what was like the, the kick for, instead of just doing the activity rather than like competing as well? Like what the difference between going from recreation to actually like, Correct. Oh, I want to do this seriously. Um, hmm. I guess I've always had a really competitive mind, so it didn't really matter if I was doing it recreationally. It was always a competition for me. So I guess that transition came very gradually. I didn't even notice it coming. Um, my first uh, season doing road nationals, uh, I actually placed in the top five in the time trial and was six in the road race, which, you know, my little mind was like, whoa, um, I could, I could really do this. Um, so yeah, I think as the, as I competed against some stronger women, um, who were much older than me and I was placing well against them, I was like, you know, this, this is, I could, I could do this. And were you competing solo as like a privateer or were you like with a junior team during your middle school, high school years? For the first few years, I I raced with my coach's team, Studio 7. I just wore his logos and my dad drove me to races. I mean, couldn't really drive at that point anyway. Couldn't even sign my own waivers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot lot of privateering. When I did my first road season – I uh, got on a junior team from a- in Asheville, um, DIY, and I think I was one of three girls on that team. But me and another girl, we trained a lot together, and yeah, we got some support. And then the next year, I got on 2016, their junior side, and that was a huge leg up because yeah, that they're great about taking care of their junior riders. We don't get as much as the pro riders, obviously, but we get a lot of sponsorship through product and they do help out with some of the getting to races and entry fees. So it's it's huge as a junior who, you know, we just need help getting into the sport and they were there for us. Very cool. Um, So how'd you then like finishing up your, your junior years and looking to go like U23 and racing college, how'd you end up at Brevard? Like, I know your sister raced at Brevard. Was that like the only like school that you entertained or was that, I mean, there's others, some really great schools in your area in the neck of the woods. Like how'd you end up at Brevard? 
Yeah, yeah. This is also a very good question because I didn't even know anything about Bufar until she went here. I didn't even know it existed. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think I did entertain going to a few other colleges. But yeah, I, I definitely from day one was kind of sold on the whole idea. I came up here and visited her a lot and trained and got to know the team. And I was like, man, this is like a family. This isn't this isn't your average, I don't know. People aren't stiff around each other. They're actually like comrades here and wanting to to get to know you and wanting to go ride and, and do fun things. And I'm like, oh, this sounds pretty good. And plus the training here is like second to none. Not, I'm not biased. <laughs> I mean, I did look at Furman and I did look at App State but you know, when it when it came down to it, it was like Brevard is where I want to go. Right on, very cool. Um, so like, so was it pretty much focused more on the cycling aspect for where you picked your school rather than like would you end up studying as well, or was it kind of fifty fifty? It was definitely fifty fifty. They have a really cool outdoor program here, and I hadn't heard about this program being in many other colleges uh it's called wilderness leadership experiential education and it it works on all sorts of skills from interpersonal relational programmatic and um, hard skills to train you to be a guide by the time you get done with a four four year program and then i also really like the exercise science program here because i've always been into sciences and just had a passion for that. So I actually ended up double majoring and doing, doing both of those. And I, I, it's been a great decision. Sweet. So how was the, um, so like looking at what you've done now so far at Brevard um, and the racing that you've done, is there anything that like you've done some mountain biking? Am I correct on that? So like um, how's it been to like race other disciplines and like what you were used to in terms of your junior years? I I thought mountain biking was going to be really scary. And it was like, yeah, junior years, I, I was a lot on the road, did some track, did a lot of cross. And then I came here and I was like, I know I'm going to have to do mountain biking. I get to do mountain biking. Um, my parents were a bit more terrified than I was because I was like, I get to get fast down hills in the woods. And they're like, we're never going to see her again. All right, that's it. Bye, Hannah. <laughs> um, but no, I got here and I really like this community. Uh, it's different than like your junior years, very individual racing. Even when you're on a team, it's it always seems like your results and you're racing for yourself. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of experience racing for a team. Because the, the junior teams I were on, I was on, they were really great in support, but all their juniors were spread across the board. So I never really raced with my teammates. So being here, doing dif- different disciplines, and getting to race right alongside my teammates, it was, it was very different. And I, I enjoyed it a whole lot more, I think, having the experience of racing as an individual and I came in and it's just, it's nice to give, give race. Like you have a purpose other than yourself. 
like there's there's the team that you're racing for rather than individual results which sometimes feel a little bit hollow no i think you touched on what i was going to follow up with next but like what makes collegiate cycling special from other areas of the of the path from starting as a junior up to then a week yeah and you know this i bet (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's just i don't know you 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 bomb down trail and you look behind and there's your teammate and you look ahead and there's your teammate and you show up to race weekends and it's it's like kind of like the cage fighters but you're all going in together and you're just like yeah we're gonna we're gonna take down some teams not just individuals it's like more of an idea rather than singular person on them that's sweet that's so cool um so what uh what, what are some like really fun memories from your years at racing in Brevard? Like this could be like, try to keep it PG. Um, oh, come on. Like, <laughs> PG-13. Who do you think I am? Who do you think I am? <laughs> oh man. Oh. <laughs> okay. So I told you I never raced mountain bike. Okay. I did one mountain bike race before I came to Brevard. One. That spring before I came to Brevard. So I actually got to do a little bit of gravity event while during my freshman year. And again, my parents shook their heads and they were like, yep, she's not going to make it. First race weekend, we're down at Clemson and uh, I get to do the dual slalom race. So we're out there practicing. I don't know nothing. I'd just gotten a mountain bike that year. It's hardtail. I didn't even know about dropping your seat down when you're going downhill. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I actually did my first practice run with my seat all the way up. And my teammates are sitting there like, oh no. <laughs> I was fine. Then they showed me how to lower my seat. I was like, oh cool. This makes it a lot easier. I can actually move around. They're like, yeah, and you're not gonna rail yourself. I'm like, yeah, this is true. They let me borrow a downhill helmet and all that. And then uh, I follow one of my teammates down. I'm not doing any jumps, staying on the ground. And there's this little um, step up at the very end. The trail goes all the way down. It comes back up over this little roller and then to a bigger roller. But if you go fast enough, you can catch air off the little roller and clear it all the way to the bigger roller. And this teammate, great in the air, just like – they just flow through everything, but I'm following them. They're going slow for me. They hit the bottom and they jump up onto the bigger roller. And I'm, I'm in my mind. I'm like, Oh, that was so clean. That looks so easy. I'm going to do that. And so I do, but I get scared right at the end, right before my back wheel leaves the ground and I grab a fistful of brake, which is the worst thing you could do because then I launch up into the air anyway, but I don't have enough speed to get me to the top. So <laughs> I tee into the next roller, just smack dab in the middle, face first. And of course, my parents and my younger siblings had all come to watch me race that weekend. And I laid there on the ground because it really hurt. And I didn't move for a second, and they thought I had died. My dad's sitting there. He's a doctor, of course. And he's just like, 
oh man, I think I just watched my, my daughter die. Like, this is not a good day. <laughs> and uh, anyway, my, my teammates went and chewed my sister out later for letting me do gravity. <laughs> it was hilarious. Another one of those sister moments. Allison took the blame for everything I did. Even if it wasn't bad, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. What is it like now racing alongside your sister? It's like, I read the um, CX Magazine did an article last year, 2019, about <clears throat> Allison getting back into the sport. Um, and she mentioned how like <clears throat> there would be some conflict growing up, just some family conflict in terms of like, like you were always following along and doing what she was doing and like, but as you guys get older, you have your own YouTube channel now, which I found, um, we'll get to that later, but like, um, what is it like USA or sharing cycling with a semi close family member? Yeah, this is a good question. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's a, we've had some, some rough times. I think I've always looked up to her as kind of like a hero almost, you know, like one of those people that you want to be. So for me, I've always wanted to do everything she's doing. And it's kind of like that younger sibling syndrome for some people. But uh, yeah, she she's uh, done a lot of kind of pushing me away over the years. Just go be your own person. Have your own favorite color. Have your own favorite animal. Do your own sport. You know, don't just follow me because I make mistakes and my path is not the best path, you know? I want you to be your own person. And sometimes that's been a nice thing, in a nice way she's done it, and other times it's really hurt. But I think because she was consistently looking out for me in that way, at first I didn't feel like she was looking out for me. I was like, she's just being mean. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, as Allison has always always been out for my best interest and I really appreciate that so you know we've both grown to to be a little more relaxed in our relationship as far as I'm not trying to be like Allison anymore I I get to have this awesome roadmap of what to do and what not to do but I do it in my own way and she's gotten to the point where she, she and I love to hang out and be around each other. We're not trying to kill each other anymore. And it's really awesome. It, it just the way she approaches a race versus how I approach a race is very different and it complements um, each other because I I have more of a, in the moment just kind of go whereas she's very strategic and she'll map out things and see things that I'll never see and so she'll be explaining things to me before and after the race and I'm like whoa I would have never thought that and I think we also challenge each other and and keep each other um accountable and just going harder and and uh, what what we're doing like, why are you doing that? Well, this is why I'm doing that. Well, have you thought about doing this way? So giving each other a lot of feedback, I think it's it's just awesome to have a training buddy like that. Um, yeah, it's changed a lot over the years. I think it's 
a lot better than day one. Good. Very cool. Um, so like the, when did, when did it start to turn into, um, so when was your, when did you win nationals first? What, was, what year was that? I think that was 14, 2014. I was a, a 15, 16. And then you won collegiate nationals, right? Um, um, cyclocross. Yeah. <laughs> so like where in all of that, where did, um, USA cycling start to recognize you as an athlete, um, between like 2014 to, to your U23 years or so. Yeah. Um, well, there's, there's not much, uh, I think it was around that time when I won the first, my first, uh, national title, like the next year I went out to the Olympic training center, um, as a 16 year old to do a, a track camp out there. Um, there's like two other junior girls with us, uh, Summer Moak and Kirsten Williams. And, uh, yeah, we got to train with alongside a bunch of other pros who were trying to make the list for the Olympics. And yeah, I think that was like right around the time where I started getting some emails from USA people and being like, Hey, come do this, come do that. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't always easy because you know, you're in school and you got obligations for life. Um, but yeah, each time you try to make those, those opportunities work. It was, it was super, super hard, super cool and uh, different very different to be that young and being on the road but I think because of it it helped me grow a little faster than I would have gotcha um so and same with like the mud fund and taking um those opportunities for cyclocross like in the past year or so like can you share a little bit of how that's helped and give you new opportunities that you wouldn't have yeah um with both road racing and cyclocross, I've gotten to go over to Europe and, and do some racing over there. And that, I think, has been one of the biggest learning points and steepest learning curves for me. When when I go over there, fields are always so much harder and deeper, and there's just things thrown at you that you just wouldn't expect. You're in a different country. You're here in a ton of different languages and you're just like, uh, okay. And you know, there's road furniture and road races. Like who does that? And there's cars parked all along the sides of the road going down these narrow little villages. And you're just like, okay, I may or may not get eaten by a pothole today and I may or may not make it out, but this is awesome. And just learning to relax when you're in those situations and just continuing to be adaptable. I think that's the biggest opportunity at USAC and then also mud fund this past cyclocross season has, has helped me with is just relaxing and adapting to hard situations where you get in a field of 180 riders and you're like, there's no way I will ever relax in this field, but you're in that field for like two and a half hours, three hours. Like you can't be all tight 
the whole race, I mean, you're not going to make it otherwise. So, you know, learning things like echelons, hadn't seen those before I went to Europe. Um, going to cyclocross races over there, it's just like everything's steeper and bigger. And some, you just learn to roll up to things and just go down them. And if you don't go down them, just go ahead and get off your bike and go. Don't stop. And even in practice, sometimes that's the best best way to go. So I think, yeah, the, the biggest thing that they have, have given me is just the ability to experience these harder races. And each little opportunity has helped me change my mindset a little bit. And then when I come back to the U.S., helping other juniors who are around me, who are like, what was it like, you know? What, what did you learn? And just helping them understand some things that happen over there that they can be working on now so that maybe when they get the opportunity, they can succeed better than I did when I was over there. Sweet. Um, is that sort of like the, the hope of your YouTube channel that you – created and to kind of give like a little bit of an insight into what life is like over yeah. on the other side? I think, I think the main goal with the YouTube channel was to create a window into what cycling is like on and off the bike. I think a lot of what you see on social media is what life is like on the bike maybe or just the highlights the the good times or the big excuse me moments like where you crash and you're like oh my goodness this is so epic and all you see is epic and I guess you don't see a lot of the the process in between so yeah I think our hope was to show people the process of getting there the process of hey it's not all roses And it's not all these epic moments. Some of it's kind of boring. Some of it's, you know, getting in that grind and staying there. Some of it's reaching out to others and trying to help them along, you know, just, it's not all about you. There's so much more going on in this sport than you see in these short little pictures or videos on Instagram or Facebook. And has that something that you've like come to realize in recent years or is that something that you've always like had a keen eye for seeing more of the process behind cycling or was that something that came about just more recently? That was like an aha moment, like, wow, there's a lot going on in this sport that most people don't really realize. I'm kind of an oblivious person when it comes to racing a lot. Um, I think that's something Allison has always realized and always been preaching and it's taken a while to get into my head that, Oh, there's a lot more going on here than I think about, um, which would be awesome and not awesome for me. Cause it like helps me relax in situations where normally people would be freaking out. But um, yeah, I think it's, it has kind of developed over the years of just understanding that, there are a lot of little details going on and just getting to help Allison run this cyclocross team has been a huge eye opener for me to see, Oh, there's just in one race weekend, so many little details going on, you know, mechanic uh, site for the tent, 
you got to figure out logistics to get there and where you're going to stay and what's going to reduce the stress load as much as possible while you're there. So you can do your best performance. Does it, does it feel um, cool to be like in that position to help out and to kind of give back, even though, I mean, like you're still at like the prime of your, like for some they would just be focusing on continuing their professional development instead of already looking to give back and help the next, next set of riders coming up. Um, but like where you fall on that. Wait, say that again. <laughs> well, yeah, just kind of like, so like you're already helping another, or helping your sister run this team. Um, I mean, some would say like that time for me is going to be continued to be spent training right now. Um, and then when I get towards my, the end of my elite years or something like that, I'll turn around and start giving back at that point to the cycling community that helped bring me up. Um, but you seem to actually doing that right now and kind of blending those two together. And I just wanted to kind of hear oh, what yeah. your thoughts are on, on that. Yeah, I think, I think it, it kind of goes back to where, where I was, how I was raised and um, just the people who've been around me all, all my life, my coach, the training buddies back home and my parents and my siblings, just always fostering a community of, Hey, you know, we're given opportunities. Like you can't just get here on your own. So often there's somebody who has gone through already and is like, Hey, I want to give back. So when you get those opportunities, keep them in your mind because you want to be like the people who are giving back. You want to remember those people who helped get you a bike and a pair of shoes and a helmet so you could do your first cross race. You want to be that person down the road who can look back and say, Hey, I want to give this junior an opportunity to get into the sport because it, it is a hard sport to get into. It's expensive and grueling sometimes. So, you know, if you can, if you can do that now, like why not? Or just little things like doing a clinic on how to, mount your bike for your little, for juniors, it goes a long way. And I want to, yeah, I think because of that environment that I grew up in, I see today as an opportunity rather than, Oh, maybe in five years, because I don't know if I'm going to get that five years. So today is what I got. That's sweet. I love it. <laughs> love it. Love it. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So what, um, kind of more like a lighter topic, what's your favorite, um, road trail section of gravel in the U S and over the, the time that you spent in Europe. So like U S first, and this could be anywhere, okay. anywhere that you've ever been. Like what's like a cool section of road that you've been. I'm on? so glad that you gave me both options. Like <laughs> you didn't say out of the entire place that you've ever been. Um, <laughs> In the U.S., I have been to a lot of very cool states, and I want to go back to those different states, especially Montana. Um, but I think the gravel road system that I love the most is in Pisgah National Forest, just because I grew up training there, and that's where I got my start. So just going out there 101 times and a million more in the future, I think – that that's always going to hold top, top notch in my heart. <laughs> and then, um, for, uh, going to Europe, Spain, 
100%. That was, we did uh, two weeks training while we were in Europe this past season, and uh, oh my goodness. You're right there along the ocean, but then there's these huge mountains right next door. So you climb up the mountain, and you die in all day, and then you turn around to come back, and you look out, and all you can see is ocean. And you can't even tell where the ocean meets the sky. And there's this windy road all the way back down about like nine miles. So like the last nine miles of your ride is just easy and you're just flying. And I think, yeah, going there was like my favorite, my favorite training ground so far in Europe. Sweet. Um, and then what's been like, is there anything that you take over to Europe in terms of like, reminders of home i know they're like it's like short times that you're over there but like is there food like corinne for her for her it's, it's fish crackers <laughs> goldfish crackers is like no had in europe so like she wants to bring that over and remind her of home through craft mac and cheese and goldfish <laughs> so is there i did not know that was a thing something like that or is yikes oh <laughs> Actually, I really, really like the food over in Europe, so I have no problems with that. Um, I think I miss the people most in North, in, in North Carolina, really. You, I hear so many different languages while I'm over there, and my ears just perk up when I hear a southern drawl from anyone. It's just like, what? French family? What? So, um, like one year... Uh, some friends brought uh, made me a little picture book of pictures throughout the race season in, in America. And uh, I got to take that over there. So I just, just seeing their faces. I think that's the biggest thing for me is just, Oh, you know, homesick a little sure. bit. Just for miss, sure. miss those people that year round year round. And then, you just don't realize what you have here until you go there and you're like, both places are awesome, but this is home. Very cool. Very cool. Well, yeah, that rounds out what I have. It's great to meet you and yes. yeah, we'll keep That's in touch. Enough. Yep. Thanks, if you're Anna. ever down in North Carolina, come, come ride with us. There's, there's a good group around here. Right ride Pisco. <laughs> Thanks, Hannah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Burning Quads podcast.